This is The Analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff. And I'm Mark DeMoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live. We will be shedding the light of God's Word on the issues. And responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. This annual ceremony reminds the world that what happened here on April 19th will never be forgotten, nor will we forsake or abandon anyone affected by the events of that day. Oklahoma, Congressman James Langford, and I have to say that he is totally embraced. As a community, we will always remember, and that is why it is so important that we gather each year on April 19th to honor those whose lives were lost. Well, Deanne, as we just listened to you, we are coming out of a week where our nation has been confronted with the concept of uh, death and suffering and sorrow and tragedy. Um, In our own uh, state here in Oklahoma, we're going into a time where we remember the memorial bombing and memorialize that. Uh, And that, that is coming for us here in Oklahoma. And so kind of that subject is on everybody's mind again. Uh, the idea of, of death and pain. And so we thought we would just talk about that. It's a recurring theme. Uh, you can't get away from it. Uh, in, in our own world, recently we've gone through personal suffering with death within families and death within our church and, and even just suffering, unexpected hardship and tragedy for people. And it's not all about death. Some of it's just about suffering and pain and grief in general. So we thought we'd just address the subject and talk about it and help people begin to kind of think about pain and suffering. One of the things that you especially, I think, are really good at always pointing out is the idea of renewing our mind uh, by thinking like Christ. I think about the Romans 12 passage where if we'll renew our mind, some of the conformity of the world pulls away, our life begins to be transformed. And so how do we get the scripture into our minds? How do we think biblically about pain and suffering so that we don't race to where the world is in tragedy and think like the world? And and the world's had particular ways of dealing with pain and suffering. And cultures across the world have had concepts of dealing with pain and suffering. We don't want to just follow a pattern there. We want to transform our mind to think about this subject in a biblical way. So that's what we want to do today. Yeah, that is exactly right. And so many times when we think about what others are saying, one of the things I want to point out is... We've been reading Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, and you've read other books on pain and suffering. Of course, there's others, uh, Problem and Pain by C.S. Lewis, and so many great writers who have tried to work through the subject of pain. It's on every page of the Bible. I mean, every time you turn, right, past Genesis 3. Yeah. And the beauty of it all is that the restoration comes. Yeah. But we don't necessarily see that in the midst of the moment. In fact, you were saying other cultures think certain ways. And so I just wanted to point this out that Keller wraps it kind of up like this when he says, Buddhism says, accept it. Karma says, pay it. Fatalism says, heroically endure it. Secularism says, avoid it or fix it. And there's an element of truth within all of those, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't give the truth or the reality of what's taken place biblically and how we 
walk through it. And pain and suffering, I love that Jesus left us the words that it says, weep with those who weep. Yeah. Because it gives us the ability to really grieve through the process, but also the Bible allows us not to stay there, but to be able to renew our minds, like you were saying, putting on God's voice as opposed to our self-talk and what that looks like in the coming days comes out through the pages of Scripture for us. Yeah. Yeah, our worldview uh, informs the way we're going to think about pain and suffering, right? So um, as you were you're walking through some of those kind of worldview characteristics, I was just reminded that Keller points out that in many ways, other cultures throughout history have been better at preparing their people for pain and suffering. Like they, they point to it as having a purpose. They, they don't get all the way there because they have, on the whole, been pagan and missed the gospel. But they, they say, hey, there's purpose in it. Uh, the Buddha says it's getting you ready for enlightenment. Uh, the Hindu says if you do better in this life with the pain you have now, you'll have a better next life. And so they're saying take the suffering on and do something with it. The Western culture has said, hey, we should avoid this at all costs because our God is happiness. So if, you're, if your goal is always enjoyment, pleasure, happiness... Pain is always an obstacle to happiness. Mm -hmm. And so you avoid pain or you manage pain. So you either figure out a way to get pain out of your life. This spouse makes me unhappy. This job makes me unhappy. These people make me unhappy. I'm going to change all of that. Mm -hmm. Or I manage it by going, well, I want to stay with my wife and have my kids. So I'll go to therapy and figure out how I can fix them. So they won't cause these problems for me and I can be happy, right? Yeah. And so you're managing or avoiding all the time. And in some ways, that's much worse. Like None of the answers are right. But in many ways, we, we prepare our people worse in a Western culture for pain and suffering than any of the other cultures have done. Now, all of them have a partial truth. You should manage your suffering. Like, you can't let it overwhelm you. Right. <laughs> you can't be devastated by it to the point you're paralyzed. You do have to manage some things. And we don't race after pain. Like, the Christian view of suffering isn't, go find a way to suffer today. Yes. Uh, yes. It, it, death is the enemy still. Although death is used by God to complete sanctification, yeah. it's still the enemy. So we don't race toward it and we don't celebrate it other than we celebrate what God does with the believer after it, right? So that's why Christian funerals, they'll be weeping because it's painful, mm-hmm. and there'll be joy because we know what God has done. And so I, those are struggles in Western culture mindset. Even, I think, Christians, because we've been discipled so well by our society yeah. that figuring out how to think biblically with the idea of avoidance is uh, is hard. Yeah, and I think that we come to the question so many times, and it's 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 actually good that we bring questions to God. And but what we do in our society is we say, you know, if God is good, you know, He shouldn't be allowing the suffering. Why is there so much mm-hmm. suffering in the world? Why why is He absent in my grief? Why is He? And it's not that we can't ask those questions, but the world is saying, well, God just isn't. Or he's not good because we're asking those questions. I like the way that it's portrayed, and I think it's by C.S. Lewis and also comes out in the book. But 
why does God allow us so much happiness? That mm -hmm. ought to be the question we're asking after what happened in the beginning pages. So what did happen in the beginning? What can help us frame our biblical worldview? And I think it goes back to Genesis chapter 3. You know, God did not intend for our world necessarily to be in this fallen state. But as he put Adam and Eve in the garden, everything was perfect. He gave them the the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. And he said, you know, don't eat from this tree of knowledge. And in their disobedience, what is brought into the world? Death. And we see that in Romans 5. You know, so, so death, you're right. Death is the enemy in so many ways we don't necessarily think that way that Christ overcame death yeah and that is the glory and joy and beauty is that we have the ability to suffer as you said weep with those who weep grief but in the midst of that as a Christian then we also have the ability to see that God has overcome I love the the statement in Isaiah 53 Jesus is a man of, of many sorrows, right? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, he suffered, and it doesn't say he was a man of, of one sorrow, of two sorrows. This is many sorrows. Mm -hmm. And then he leaves us in John 16, 33, and he says, In this world you will have many troubles, yeah. but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I take delight in walking in the peace of that because he says what well, in me you will have peace yeah so it's when we rest in him it's when we put on our biblical worldview and say okay wait a second the world has fallen and god is moving to restore it and make all things new yeah and and i think that's one of the things keller points out kind of the broad stroke of his his book is trying to get evil and suffering under under that theme work that you're pointing out that creation didn't intend God's creation wasn't okay how much trouble can I cause people he created something good and Genesis 3 shows us why there's evil in the world and how there's fallenness so uh, sin has brought this fallen state uh, and if we can remember like if we can keep evil and pain in that framework that keeps us from going in that problem of evil and, and going, but if God was good, this wouldn't happen. No, evil doesn't define God at all. So God is good. Evil's a result of fallenness and sin. So it's not if he's a good God, there wouldn't be evil. No, he's a good God. Therefore, in our evil and suffering, in the pain that we feel, in death and all those things, God is still there and his sovereignty is there. And the other the other theme he, he points us to, there's, there's three, but you talked about the restoration and that things are moving toward restoration and um I, I don't remember if keller is quoting somebody else or he's saying this himself but he he points to uh the verse in in corinthians it says god is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory these momentary light afflictions that i walk in and that seems weird like when somebody's really hurting you don't want to go to them and go it's just a momentary light affliction yeah, right i mean it's like exactly no it's right. devastating my world that's right but God says in his word, it is a momentary light affliction. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that to you in that moment, but it is that. And it, it's not because he thinks little of our pain, but in comparison, this weight of glory, an eternity of being in his presence where there's no pain, 
Mm-hmm. Then that little moment, a million years from now, and this is Keller's quote, when you're way out there in the future, that's just a little flicker that's mm-hmm. remaining from your past. And so, and that's what God's trying to say in that this eternal weight of glory. When glory bears its full weight on you, the pain that we suffer now is momentary and light. Yeah. And so that restoration is coming. And if you can keep that in mind, and it came, the other theme is it came through the cross. Yeah. The man of many sorrows paid for these pains that we feel. And now under him, we have redemption and that's what's bringing us to the restoration. I think that brings up a great point, too, that a lot of times when we're in the midst of pain and suffering, that we'll begin to ask the question, you know, what did I do to cause this? And I'm not saying that we don't ever make choices to cause particular things to happen. There are consequences to the choices that we right. make, and, and that is true. But there's also the consequence of sin in general in the world. And it reminds me of the story where the parents are asking about the blind man to Jesus. And they're Mm -hmm. saying, you know, uh, who sinned, him or his parents, in allowing this thing to happen that was causing this pain and suffering, this debilitation toward this particular person? And he points out and he says, listen, this happened... So the glory of God can take place. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that, that what he's saying in that moment is there are going to be things in life that we don't necessarily understand. Yeah. But in the midst of that, there's purpose. There's meaning in the suffering. And I think for the Christian in particular, yeah. they have the ability to say the things like John Piper said, don't waste your suffering. Yeah. You know, allow it to be used as a way for God to heal your heart, to walk with Him through supplication, through prayer. And in the moment, it's very difficult to find the thanksgiving, right? It is. It is. It just... You know, so so for a time, it's somberness, it's it's weeping, and that's rightly so. And God gave us those emotions. Mm -hmm. But... To, to ask the question, why is this happening? One of the things we can say is maybe the better question is, how can God use this for yeah. meaning and purpose? Yeah. As opposed to, what did I do to make this happen? It's You, you don't know that. We, we don't know that. Yeah. And, and Jesus made the point clear that it can be used for God's purpose. Yeah. Yeah. John 9 is is where that story is found about the man born blind and, and that conversation and and I think that's one of the struggles that we have immediately when a devastating pain comes our way what could I have done differently uh, again I think that goes back to the manage avoid worldview we have yes um, but um, I, it also goes back to this idea if you if you had biblical knowledge like sin does have consequence so uh, if I speak angrily to you, it's going to hurt your feelings and it's going to break our relationship. Like that's a consequence of my sinful action. And I should own that and apologize and seek forgiveness and restore relationship. Um, but not every sin is a one-to-one correlation in the world. So a flood floods your home. The first response isn't, well, who sinned today? Because we had a flood, right? right so right. somebody needs to repent because our house is flooding. And if we'll just 
get this right, the waters will recede. Right? But we feel that way sometimes. And um, Wayne Grudem points out in his systematic theology on the subject of death that um, if, if Romans 8.1 is correct, where there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, then I, I can't be suffering as a Christian for a particular sin as a punishment. Right. It can't be punishment. It can have purpose, but the purpose can't be punishment. God's not punishing me with my suffering. And I think that's what we fear and feel sometimes. Like, what did I do wrong? And that's why God is punishing me with this pain or this suffering, or that's why this other person in my life suffered. Mm-hmm. And if I had been better, if I... No, it can't be punishment. Jesus paid for punishment. It has a purpose. So I should not, as Piper said, don't waste that suffering. Ask the questions of, okay, so God, how do you want to sanctify me? How do you want to use me? What do you want to teach me so that I can be more compassionate to others? How can you use me? He tells us that in Corinthians. You're walking through these things so you'll learn the God of comfort and you'll bring comfort to those who need comfort. And he just uses the word comfort like over and over and over. And you're like, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to be a comforter and I can't comfort well unless I go through pain and need comfort. Yeah. And so I, remembering and realizing there's some reason and purpose and meaning in that suffering is significant. Yeah, and one of the last things I want to point out too is that I think as we're talking about this and just dealing with death and suffering, and he, he points out suffering is dominated by grace. I, I love that. It's dominated by grace. And the grace that he gives us to prepare in this life with the mind of Christ Mm -hmm. to be able to walk through trials and suffering and pain to be able to have that mind is just to get into his word and begin to read and if if you're going through suffering right now it might be that you need to sit in the book of Job and just Mm -hmm. be able to relate to someone who God was walking through pain and suffering with And I, I don't know where God will take you in the pain and suffering or, or, or what particular books, but what I do know is that He allows us the ability to see that Genesis 3 tells us there's going to be suffering and pain for a time in this world. The God of this age, but there is a new kingdom coming. So repent, for the kingdom of God is near, and in the kingdom of God He will wipe away every tear. Yeah, good work. Thanks for listening today. 